to have my baby, 18, put on a plane and sent to central Queensland. All by yourself? All by myself. Uh, I remember I cried. I cried on the plane uh, all the way up. What that has meant to my life is that I have had the opportunity to truly experience what it means to have a father in my life who really cares for me and my well-being. You're listening to Adopt Perspective, a podcast for anyone affected by adoption. I'm one of your hosts, Joe Sparrow. This podcast is a production of Jigsaw Queensland Post-Adoption Support Service. However, the views expressed are those of the people participating, not necessarily Jigsaw Queensland. The podcast discusses adult themes and listener discretion is advised. Merry almost Christmas, Jane. Where has the year gone? Tell me about it and what a year it's been. I can't believe that I started this year with great optimism and all sorts of plans that very quickly had to be canned and in their place there have been some different adventures I guess um, including achievements like this podcast. We certainly have had to adapt and I imagine this year has challenged many people as well as building their resilience. Well I don't know about you but after spending a heap of this year inside my home I am more than ready for the festive season cheer. There will be no bar humbug in me this festive season. (laughs) Me neither. In typical Jane style, I have been out buying gifts throughout the year and also online this year, and I'll start wrapping them soon and preparing for various Christmas festivities. Of course, though, Christmas can bring about challenges for those affected by adoption, and I'm sure that you and I are no exception. As the year comes to a close, I thought that perhaps we could talk a bit about this. And you're the best giver ever, Jane, a best gift giver ever, Jane. And yes, that's a great idea. Um, We've decided to make two end of year special episodes, a 2020 year in review today. And next fortnight, we'll discuss some strategies for handling the Christmas season, which can be quite a sensitive time for many people and especially those impacted by adoption. Sounds good. Jane, before we start, I just wanted to let people know that if you have a story to tell, then we would love to hear from you. Uh, If you'd like to be considered as a podcast guest, then go to the podcast page at the Jigsaw Queensland website. That's www.jigsawqueensland.com and fill in the prospective guest form you find there. And do keep in mind that the podcast is listened to all over the world. So let's start this episode with a bit of a recap about how Adopt Perspective came to be and what our original goals were and I guess a bit of a report card on how we're tracking with them. Our 2020 planning day, it feels like it was a thousand years ago now, and we had no idea at the time how much flexibility would be required to make even our normal operations work, but also how much it would impact the little seed that was this podcast concept. So as I recall it, we were looking for ways to reach more people who because of location, transport, health or other issues are unable to participate in our face-to-face services and events. I mentioned a podcast, I was only half, it might be out of our capacity, but you and the entire team got behind the idea straight away. Yes, at that planning day, which we hold as a team every January, I remember that a number of ideas were tossed around. However, when the podcast was mentioned, 
I remember saying to the team, this is definitely something that I could feel excited about. I guess that's the way in an ideal world you want to feel about a work project, particularly when the day-to-day grind can be a little overwhelming at times. I just had a sense that the podcast could reach and help many people, as well as being achievable for us within the limited resources our organisation has. And I'm just thrilled that here we are at the end of the year and we've made it happen. Yeah. So after the meeting, we put the podcast idea on the to-do board and got on with the business of our core services, thinking that the the concept of the podcast would be fleshed out later in the year. But uh, then things kind of went skewy around the world. Emergency. Use the word pandemic would trigger panic. A world in lockdown. You will see 60% of the population get infected. They certainly did. Skewy is a good word. We managed to pull the idea from a concept into a reality pretty quickly from there. I've got a mix of print journalism, writing and PR qualifications and experience, and you have a psychology and social work background. But neither of us had really had a clue about podcasting other than us both loving to listen to them. And we're fortunate that while you and I do the bulk of the research, writing, interviews and production, we have that larger team of Trevor, Andrea and Anna in the office to help us talk through ethical concerns, review episodes and make editorial decisions. And Jane, this really helps because we're not your average podcast. We aren't chasing ratings or provocative content. The podcast is, um, I guess, more of an extension of Jigsaw Queensland's core services. Yeah, for sure. One of Jigsaw's longest offerings has been the support groups. And in a way, the podcast is an extension of that because people are able to share their story on the podcast so that others can listen and reflect from the safety and comfort of their own homes, which, of course, was particularly important and necessary during COVID-19. Like our open support group, the podcast covers a range of perspectives so that we can hopefully learn and grow from one another. In addition, a big part of our role as professionals in the FAST service is normalising, validating and providing information about people's adoption experiences. And this is also something that we've been able to achieve through the podcast. Again, people have the choice and control over what episodes they want to listen to, We also welcome feedback and a number of people have made suggestions for future content, which we hope to cover, you know, in next year and hopefully even in subsequent years. Mm -hmm. Um, We've also been able to plan and schedule episodes such as the Father's Day episode and our Christmas episode, which will be coming up next. As we know, events like these can be triggering for people. Not everybody wants to phone us um, and detail their exact circumstances, but they might want to listen to a podcast and receive some validation and tips through this forum. Yeah, and that's right, Jane. And another advantage to having the podcast is that it allows us to quickly respond to current events about which we have knowledge, and this can support advocacy. For example, this year there was a renewed call for an increase in adoptions in Queensland after comments made by the deputy coroner in the Mason Lee case. I was able to talk to Jigsaw Queensland's president, Trevor Jordan, about permanency versus adoption. As you know, any move towards increasing adoption is incredibly triggering for people affected by adoption to hear, and I count myself amongst them. And this emotionally, re- this emotional reaction by people with lived experience says a whole lot about the impacts of these decisions. And it's great that we have this forum to address them in the moment. 
Absolutely, Joe. I was triggered by the discussion of adoption in the media this year. Anytime I hear it being spoken about with the implication that it could be an easy solution to issues that exist in society or within the child protection system, I feel really heightened emotionally. This is because I feel like the complexities and significant challenges that I've experienced as an adopted person are being dismissed. I guess, though, this reiterates how important it is to keep speaking to each other and speaking up to those in power to keep the discussion alive, uh, which for me is also one of the reasons to keep our podcast going. Yeah. Well, Jane, we managed to figure out how to produce and host a podcast and pull together an episode plan that could keep us on air for years. But there is nothing more important than the first episode, striking the right note that summarises what you're all about. And we decided that it felt right for our first guest to be a personal story from a mother who had lost a child to adoption. And because this was our first episode, we wanted our first guest to be someone that we knew well. Absolutely. I think because as well, you and I are both adopted people, we'd mentioned that up front, it would be important to share a mother's story Sorry, early on, um, because really that was part of the podcast concept was that it would be a balanced um, perspective. So we had Heather and uh, she's someone that I've known since I became involved in Jigsaw when I was about 20. And I've always found Heather to be supportive, um, as well as being someone who isn't afraid to talk about the truth of her adoption experience as a mother and what it's been like for her. I've learned a lot from hearing mothers' experiences such as Heather's, and I sense that other people may benefit as well. It was great that Heather has also been someone who's taken her own painful experience and used it to connect with and support with other and support, sorry, other mothers. Um, as well as contributing to the broader organisation of Jigsaw um, and the advocacy that's happened over the years. In August, we also spoke to another mother, Hilary, about her experience of falling pregnant as a young woman in Christchurch, New Zealand, and losing her daughter to adoption, um, as well as meeting her many years later. The people got out of the car big black car with billowing mudguards. The baby was handed over to the mother and she looked at the baby and she smiled and she laughed with the nurses and she got into the car and they smiled and waved at the nurses and they drove off. You got to see all of that. I wrote down the number plate of that car and I thought one day I'm going to find that bloody car, no matter what it takes, and I'm going to find my daughter. And Jane, you can't talk about adoption in Australia without discussing the forced adoption era. So that was our second episode. I already knew a fair bit about this period, but I have to say that I learned some things. So did I. Um, yeah, there was a lot that I, I, I did know already. Um, but as a part of my research for the episode, I read the Senate inquiry in a lot more detail than I had before. Um, and I definitely learnt some things about the broader social context around the world that contributed to forced adoption, um, which really is a worldwide phenomenon that um, Australia has been the only country to have an apology so far. Uh, but that's not to say that it, it didn't happen elsewhere. And um, as I mentioned in that episode, I had a good understanding of why the adoption numbers decreased after the 70s uh, because of a lot of social change. 
but I didn't really know why um, they beca- the numbers became a lot higher, say, around the 50s. Um, and I was really fascinated to read in the Senate inquiry some comments about the eugenics that occurred um, in Nazi Germany and how, I guess, um, there was a societal push away from the importance of biology after that period where the mindset kind of was you can take a child, you can put them in another family and it it will all be okay because environment's actually quite important. So there was a big swing um, the other way and I guess that was just quite interesting to understand. Yeah, for sure, Jane. And I've recently been reading a book about the Holocaust and it talks about eugenics Mm -hmm. and how this impacted events during this period. And I could see why the world rejected these practices so forthrightly following the war and how those ripples led in part to forced adoption. So that brings us to a voice not often heard in the adoption community, fathers who have lost a child to adoption. I so enjoyed talking to Rachel and Richard and hearing their story of reunion and your follow-up talking about using an intermediary service. So it's been an enriching experience for me and I uh, I think having Rachel come into my life has been um, uh, something that has given me much more... Uh, has rounded me off as a person. Um, and I hope it, you know, I don't want this to be about me. I hope it's had that, had a much bigger, profound effect for her. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I felt it was important to, well, it was a good opportunity anyway to share what the intermediary service can offer. Uh, and and that there are pros and cons to using it. Um, But sharing that in conjunction with Rachel and Richard's story, I hope made it more relevant and interesting to people. It was great to be able to hear a father's perspective directly. And I'm also glad that I was able to interview Gary Coles later in the season for Father's Day, as he is a father who has dedicated many years to researching and writing about the effects of adoption on fathers and how their presence in the reunion process can benefit all, all the healing and growth of all parties. We hope to hear more from fathers as the series continues next year and hopefully beyond. Yeah, and June saw us record two very special episodes for me, Jane. I spoke to Lois about the grief we recently shared losing our adoptive parents. Lois lost her mum and dad and I lost my dad in January and unfortunately in September my husband lost his father as well. Mm. Um, And Lois is one of those beautiful and expressive souls who I learn so much from whenever I speak with her. And I think the prep that you and I did, Jane, for our follow-up chat about grief and loss helped me jump a hurdle in my own grief for my dad by recognising that the years of anticipatory grief I'd experienced in the lead-up to his death had allowed me to move through my grief a little quicker. And it also helped me in supporting my husband and his family. Oh, that's good to hear. Um, I guess I'm also aware that this is your first Christmas without your dad and also your husband's dad. And, yeah, I guess all sorts of feelings can come up throughout this period um, as well, you know, painful memories as well as maybe um, happy memories. So I know that this is the case for me, even though it's been six years since the awful year where I lost both of my adoptive parents, um, certain things can trigger that 
loss, I guess, and unfortunately Christmas is one of them. Yeah. And I've often found that the lead up to events is what I find the hardest and the actual day itself is easier going. And I've actually got my fingers crossed that Christmas this year will play out that same way. So in July, we focused on the issue of late discovery adoption. And I spoke to Dr. Sue Bond about her experience of of discovering that she was adopted as an adult and how writing has helped her process this. And then you spoke to Dr. Helen Riley about her personal experience and subsequent research into late discovery. So the secret is revealed in many, many different ways. One thing I think it's really important to note is that while all the uh, the late discoverers were incredibly shocked, Mm -hmm. almost all said that once they knew it made sense, that they'd often felt something wasn't quite right, but Mm -hmm. that they had internalised those feelings as there was no openness for this type of discussion in the family. Yes, we heard about the extremely damaging psychological impacts of not being told until adulthood that you're adopted. As you said, we heard Sue's direct experience of this and from Helen we heard about the themes that emerged in her research on this topic. However, I think as we enter the next season of our podcast, we need to keep this discussion alive. Um, We've entered an era now where it would be quite difficult and not encouraged, as it used to be, for adoptive parents to keep their child's adoption a secret. However, that does not mean that the era of open adoption and permanent guardianship solves all of the complexities by removing the secrecy element to adoption. Yes, we've heard that secrecy is damaging and completely unhelpful, but we have to ensure that there are supports in place for parents to support their children with either their adoptive status and or the fact that they are not growing up with their biological parents. It's not just the telling of the truth that's important, it's how all family members deal with and support one another over the many years to come with the complexities that are inherent in such an arrangement. It's anything but simple. Therefore, it's something I'm very keen to continue to discuss as we keep going with the podcast. Yeah, absolutely, Jane. Honesty and support are of paramount importance in good outcomes for children. And this is something that really shone through for me in my interview with former family court judge, Professor Naeem Mushin, who has a wealth of experience working in family law. He told me that the best interests of the child were foremost in his decision-making while on the bench. And we also spoke about his experience chairing the forced adoption apology reference group and why forced adoption doesn't have the same community recognition as other prominent issues of the same era. And we touched on his views about the future of adoption in Australia. Professor Mushin is a great friend and advocate to the adoption community, and that is because he understands the issues and he has no actual skin in the game. He's just got a deep understanding of the issue and empathy for the people who are affected. To say, I've always described it not not like a dropping a pebble into a pond and seeing the ripples, uh, but dropping a stone into the pond and seeing a tsunami. And um, because it's not only all of those 
classes of people who you refer to, but it's intergenerational. And and so it's, it's handed down to the second and the third generation of people affected by forced adoption. So the grandchildren of uh, people affected by forced adoption, by particularly mothers and to a certain extent fathers, uh, are, um, are still being affected by it. I agree. Naam Amushan is an absolute legend as far as I'm concerned, Joe, <laughs> and he has done a lot for our community. Um, I know many people who would say the same thing as well. Yeah, you, you never hear a bad word about him. No. So before we knew it, we were in September, and I spoke to Barton Williams, an author and actor who's living in London and who was born in Saigon during the Vietnam War and was airlifted to Australia as part of Operation Baby Lift to be adopted by a young Adelaide couple. We talked about his experience growing up, looking and feeling different to everyone around him and of trying to connect with his biological family in Vietnam. And also spoke to, you also spoke to Damon mm -hmm. from International Social Service Australia, which is right up there with my favorite episodes of this season. How amazing is the work they do, especially under the funding restrictions they're faced with? For sure. The conversation with Damon really highlighted for me the inequalities that exist in post-adoption support. So we don't facilitate inter-country adoptions. Uh, we help inter-country adoptees, uh, you know, trace, take them on their post-adoption journey about information, identity, culture and reunification. Um, we think there's about, well, there's over 10,000 inter-country adoptees in Australia. And many of them will have a, have a strong desire to connect with their country of origin and learn about um, or reunite with their birth family at some stage in their life. And we strongly believe that inter-country adoptees should have the right to access specialised government-funded supports across the, their lifespan and especially when they embark on emotional and complex journeys to access their overseas records and reconnect with their biological family. All parties affected by adoption, regardless of what country they were born in, have a right, in my opinion, to support in locating their biological family. Um, there are articles in the Declaration of Human Rights that support this point. Here, here, you have got my vote, Jane. There should be no difference in the level of support received. And we're currently working on a 2021 episode that will examine the added complexity of being adopted with an Indigenous background and the specialised support services that exist for that group. Yeah, I think that's really important that we're covering that as well, fingers crossed. <laughs> um, yeah. And by September, um, I guess we felt like we'd established our processes surrounding the podcast, um, so decided to add a form to our website and open up invitations to individuals who may like to share their story on the podcast. Um, and around that time, we were approached by Kerry Saint, who has been involved in advocacy surrounding adoption for many years in Queensland. It was great to hear her story and be able to share this in the lead up to the anniversary of Queensland of the Queensland government's forced adoption apology on uh, the 27th of November 2012 it occurred. I really enjoyed chatting to Kerry and the follow up with Jigsaw 
Queensland's President Trevor Jordan about his experience as an advocate and our forced adoption support service team leader Andrea Lynch about the memorial plaque at the Royal Brisbane and Women's Hospital. And the film project completed in partnership with the State Library of Queensland, Without Our Consent, A Queensland Story. Yeah, absolutely. I guess we've covered a lot of ground this year and we have lots more that we're looking forward to researching and producing in 2021. I'm hoping we can share uh, some important research that the Australian Institute of Family Studies conducted following the adoption apologies around Australia, um, as this highlighted some of the lifelong impacts of adoption um, and might kind of pave the way for us to talk in more detail um, about some of the issues that people face. Hopefully we'll also hear more from authors and artists who have been involved with adoption. And of course we wanna hear more personal stories. So once again, if you have a story to tell, and you would like to be considered as a guest on Adopt Perspective, you can fill in the prospective guest form on the podcast page of our website or email us at support at jigsawqueensland.org.au. So that's support at jigsawqld.org.au and we will send you a form to complete. Jane, before we go, have you got any other highlights from our forced adoption support service team this year that you'd like to share with us? Yeah, I do actually. Um, a couple of things about uh, projects, but also the core work that we do. Um, so late in 2019, I think it's, it was around November last year, we recruited two singer-songwriters to meet with individuals affected by forced adoption and write a song about this experience from multiple perspectives. So quite a challenge for them, I think. Um, we held some, they, they went away and they did that and presented it to the group. And then we held some rehearsals in January and February so that individuals affected could come along and practice their singing, uh, ready to perform as what we call backup singers at the March anniversary event for the federal government's forced adoption apology. The anniversary event was able to go ahead um, with reduced numbers. Uh, it was right before COVID really hit us. Um, and this was a real highlight of the year for me, actually. We will hear more about it next year when we hopefully interview the singer-songwriters involved. We also held some Zoom writing as therapy workshops in early November, one for mothers and one for adopted people, which were very well received. And speaking of Zoom, Jigsaw Queensland launched its first Zoom open support group in October. Can you believe that? It sure has no. been a year requiring <laughs> flexibility. It certainly has, that's for sure. And I guess aside from all these uh, projects and activities, we've continued supporting people through the FAST service. We have a pretty small team of three part-time staff, which includes our team leader who does a whole range of things. So um, this year, the FAST service supported 500 individuals. This is in the calendar year, um, keeping in mind that the year isn't over yet. And of these 500, 174 were brand new clients of the service. Um, wow. We've also, yeah, we've also directly facilitated 25 reunions. Um, however, many more searches are still underway or have not led to successful contact, but we continue to support those individuals. Um, and in addition, we, we always once a year generally do a launch a client satisfaction survey. 
So uh, 51 clients responded to this and of those, 98% agreed with the statement that FAST staff understood adoption issues and also 98% agreed that staff were supportive and 96% said that staff provided helpful information and that the service overall was very helpful to them. That's a fabulous result in A+. You guys do such a fantastic <laughs> job supporting people all year round, Jane. Um, so next episode, we'll be talking about the complexities of Christmas for people affected by adoption and some tips to help get through what can be a challenging time for many people. But for now, until next episode, bye, Jane, and take care, everyone. Thanks, you too, Joe. Thanks for listening to the Adopt Perspective podcast. If you'd like to find out more, go to the podcast page on www.jigsawqueensland.com and you'll find a wealth of information and resources on the website. If you reside in Queensland, you can reach Jigsaw Queensland's Forced Adoption Support Service on toll-free 1800 210313, or you can call Jigsaw on 07 If you live in another state of Australia, you can still call the Forced Adoption Support Service number and your call will be answered by the Forced Adoption Support Service in the state that you're calling from. In every other state, Relationships Australia operates this service. A big thank you to Matt Sparrow for composing and recording our original theme music. Until next time, I'm Jo Sparrow saying farewell from Adopt Perspective, a podcast for anyone affected by adoption. (laughs) 